This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Something to note. All myths have many versions and variations. We've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Sumerian traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Gilgamesh awoke suddenly, drenched in sweat. The moon hung high above him. Morning was many hours off, but he knew he would have no more rest that night. Gilgamesh, king of Uruk, mightiest man in all the land, was afraid. He had dreamed a terrible prophecy. A giant axe had fallen from the sky. Distressed, Gilgamesh watched as all his subjects gathered round the axe, knelt before it, and worshipped it as they had once worshipped him. The sight gave him great distress. Gilgamesh called out to his mother, the goddess Ninsun. She appeared before him. When he told her of his distressing dream, she urged him not to worry. My son, this dream is not a prophecy to fear. The axe is a good omen. For so long you have lived alone in this world with no one mighty enough to serve as your companion. The gods have fashioned such a man. He will be your friend, your protector, and your brother, and he will come to you soon. What Ninsun did not tell her son, what she could not have known, was that when this companion arrived, he would signal the beginning of Gilgamesh's greatest adventure. Welcome to Mythology on the ParCast Network. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. Today, we're discussing the epic of Gilgamesh, the legend of the Sumerian king who traveled to the ends of the earth in search of immortality. We'll be working off of the Andrew George translation published in 1999. 
At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. Think of some of the most famous works of the ancient world. The Odyssey, the Iliad, the Old Testament. All of these can be linked, in part, to the Epic of Gilgamesh, Cobbled together from the remnants of ancient Sumerian tablets, the Epic of Gilgamesh is generally considered to be the earliest surviving work of great literature. Perhaps what's most interesting about Gilgamesh is that before Gilgamesh was worshipped as a god, Gilgamesh was an actual historical king. There's not much known about the real Gilgamesh, but we do know that he was a king of Uruk, a Sumerian city-state that existed in what is now the country of Iraq. Gilgamesh ruled at some point between 2800 and 2500 BC. He was looked on fondly by the Sumerians in the centuries after his reign, to the point that he was ultimately deified. Much as Gilgamesh judged his people while he sat as king, he judged them as they entered the next life. Worship of Gilgamesh involved the offering of prayers and sacrifices to request lenient judgment as a worshiper or the worshiper's loved ones descended into the underworld. These religious practices date back to at least 2100 BC and could perhaps have started even earlier than that. Many of his stories, at least the ones that have survived to this day, are independent and contradictory. But by 1800 BC, the most commonly recited Gilgamesh stories had been combined into longer epics. It was from these tales that we now have the famed Epic of Gilgamesh. At the start of the story, Gilgamesh is already established as a warrior and a king, the mightiest man in all the land. Gilgamesh is known from Mesopotamia to Sumer for his strength, his cunning, and his brutality. When the gods conceived him, they made him one-third mortal and two-thirds god, and thus ensured that none would stand before him and live. But under Gilgamesh's leadership, the city suffered. He killed his male subjects with abandon, sacrificing them or challenging them to open combat whenever he desired. He claimed all of his female subjects for himself, even taking to bed the wives of Uruk's noblemen. Of course, none dared challenge Gilgamesh. He was too powerful. All they could do was pray. And in the heavens above, the prayers were heard, and the gods knew what must be done. Gilgamesh needed a rival, one who could withstand him, and perhaps even destroy him. It was Aruru, goddess of all creation, who finally answered the mortal's pleas for a champion. She set out to create a warrior who could rival the gods themselves. She blessed water and clay and created a mold of a man who would be called Enkidu. The goddess cast the mold from the heavens into the deep woods that would become Enkidu's home. The mold struck the ground and broke apart, freeing its newly formed inhabitant. He was huge, 
twice the size of any man and three times as strong. His hair was long and gold, and his whole body was covered in thick fur. In the early days of his life, Enkidu ran through the woods on all fours. He moved with a herd of gazelles, living and acting like one of them, drinking from their waterhole and feasting off the grass and grains from the earth. For a time, Enkidu knew nothing of the world of men. But then... Father, I've seen a beast man in the forest. What are you on about, boy? I saw a beast man in the woods where we catch our game. He comes down from the hills and rages with the animals. Surely he is the strongest man in the whole world. Bah! Gilgamesh is the strongest man alive. Everybody knows that. But father... Enough! This beast man only frightens you because he acts like an animal. Gilgamesh will decide what is to be done. Off to Uruk with you. Tell our king what you've seen. So the boy traveled to Uruk and was granted an audience with King Gilgamesh. My lord... I've come a long way to tell you. Yes, you've come to challenge me, the mightiest man alive. I admire your boldness, but given that you are a mere child, I will allow you this one chance to rescind your statements rather than have me slay you where you stand. Uh, My lord, I'm afraid there's been a miscommunication. I have not come to challenge you personally. I have come to bring word of a terrifying beast man who lives in the forest. One that might be able to challenge even you. Ah. I may still slay you for speaking such foolishness. None can challenge me. This is true, but none of us hunters can challenge the beast man. Only you, O great and mighty king, could know what must be done. After hearing the boy's tale, Gilgamesh knew he must do something. If the trappers were too afraid to venture into the woods, then the food supply for all of Uruk might soon be in danger. Gilgamesh was renowned for his cunning, nearly as much as he was for his strength. He devised a plan for how to deal with this new threat. Boy, get back to the forest and take with you Shamat, the harlot. The boy ventured into the trees with Shamat, a temple courtesan. Gilgamesh suspected that the touch of a woman was all it would take to bring this man back into the folds of civilization. The boy and the harlot reached the clearing, where they came across a herd of gazelles. Among them was Enkidu, the wild man. Shamat approached the man, removing her scant clothes as she walked. When Enkidu and Shamat embraced, something changed in the wild man. For six days, Enkidu and Shamhat made love, and when they finally broke their embrace, he felt himself weakened. He turned to the gazelles, who had once embraced him as one of their own, but the herd shied away from him. Enkidu had defiled his beastly body, and the animals of the forest no longer recognized him as part of the wild. He was a man now. Come. This is no place for a man. You must return with me to Uruk. There you can behold Gilgamesh. He is the mightiest man who has ever lived. Enkidu turned to Shamat. Something swelled within him. His chest rose, shoulders widened, and when he opened his mouth, he did something he had never done before. He spoke. (laughs) 
I shall set myself before this Gilgamesh and show the world that there are none mightier than I. Cast aside such thoughts. Gilgamesh is divine and would surely overtake you. Of course, your relationship need not be adversarial at all. Enkidu listened as Shamat told him the story of Gilgamesh's dream, where he had seen a giant axe fall from the sky. She told him of the prophecy Gilgamesh had heard from his mother, of the brave companion who would join by Gilgamesh's side. Enkidu did not know what to do with the knowledge of that prophecy, but it didn't matter yet. Shamat was first set on taking him to a nearby village, where he would be versed in the ways of men. What odd furs are these? These are garments. They protect you from the cold, the rain, and the scratches of twigs. Surely the fur on my body does a decent enough job. You are a man. You should dress as one. Enkidu wore the garments. When the shepherds of the village beheld him, they were astounded at his size and might. They brought him food, bread, meat, skins, and beer. These confused Enkidu, for his whole life, the only food he had known was the grass of the plains and the milk of the gazelles of his herd. But at Shamat's urging, he ate, and found that he had a ravenous appetite. He gulped down skin after skin of beer, while dancing, singing, and embracing his new humanity. Enkidu lived with the shepherds for a time. He protected their flocks from wolves and hunted game to feed his new friends. He wore the clothes Shamat had given him and oiled his hair and beard. But then, one day, one of the shepherds had been summoned to attend a wedding in Uruk. As was the custom, he set about loading a platter with food and drink. Enkidu had wanted to eat the food that was set on the platter. Confused and frustrated, Enkidu asked the shepherd why he was taking it away. The shepherd explained that all weddings held in Uruk were required to offer tribute to Gilgamesh, but this only confused Enkidu further. If Gilgamesh was not the groom, why should the people pay tribute to him? It was then that Enkidu learned of the injustices Gilgamesh had committed upon his subjects. At any wedding that occurred within the walls of Uruk, Gilgamesh held the right to bed his subject's new wife. Gilgamesh would lay with the bride first, while the groom patiently waited for her return. Enkidu had lived in peace among the shepherds, but now he was enraged. He decided that he would travel to Uruk and lay eyes on the mighty Gilgamesh. With a sword in hand, Enkidu set out to issue the challenge. Coming up, Enkidu meets Gilgamesh. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Enkidu arrived to find Uruk already in the full swing of preparing for the wedding. Shocked gasps and whispers followed him as he traversed the streets, 
none in the city had ever seen a man of his size, save for Gilgamesh, of course. Enkidu marched into the city square and jumped atop a plinth to shout out his challenge. Gilgamesh, I have come to test your might. Gilgamesh did not respond, for he was not there. Enkidu learned that the king was already en route to the wedding chamber, where the bride was waiting for him. Enkidu found the door and waited for Gilgamesh to arrive, blocking his way. Out of my way, Ogre. Your king commands it. You are no king of mine. Enough of this. I have a bride to bed. If you are truly the strongest man alive, prove it. Enkidu positioned himself in Gilgamesh's way, blocking him from entering the bridal chamber. In a rage, Gilgamesh grabbed Enkidu, and the two men tumbled out into the town square. The crowd gathered to marvel at the fight. In the past, all who stood against Gilgamesh fell in seconds. But here was Enkidu, holding his own against the king. They wrestled mightily, Gilgamesh on top, then Enkidu, then Gilgamesh again. As the day went on, it seemed like the two men were evenly matched. But finally, after hours had passed, Gilgamesh wrestled Enkidu to the ground and held him there. You are beaten! Yield! I give up. Truly, the legends have all been true. You, Gilgamesh, are the mightiest there is. Do not hang your head in shame. I have fought and slain thousands, and never have battled a foe as mighty as you. Hold your head high, brother, for you are revered among all warriors. Most importantly, you have my respect. And my friendship. And with that, all animosity between the two mighty men dissipated. They embraced one another as friends. The skies opened up, and Ninsun, Gilgamesh's goddess mother, materialized. She blessed the companionship between the two men, brothers in arms. They would be a pair, Gilgamesh and Enkidu, until the end of their days. Now that they were together, Gilgamesh and Enkidu knew they needed an adventure worthy of their respective mights. There is but one who is worthy of our combined strength, the giant Humbaba. Humbaba? I know of him from when I lived in the forest. No, even together we stand no chance of taking him on. He dwells in the dreaded forest of cedar, surrounded by his many ogre sons. All who journey there perish. Come now, are you not the wild man Enkidu, who is battle-tested against wolves and lions and all manner of foul beasts? Indeed, you yourself may fall to Humbaba's strength. But together, we will emerge victorious in a battle greater than any battle of our lifetime. Come, to the forge. So Gilgamesh and Enkidu went to the forge of Uruk. There they burdened themselves with weapons, daggers, hatchets, axes, and swords. They marched to the town square and announced their departure to the people. My companion and I shall be gone for many days, but know that we will return with the head of the giant Humbaba, or we will not return at all. My king, do not go. Humbaba is an immortal giant and cannot die at the hands of any man. 
Well, it is a good thing that I am no ordinary man. You forget. All of you forget that the blood of the gods courses through my veins. Are you sure about this? Even if we die at Humbaba's hands, our stories will be told for all time. Come, Enkidu, share in this glory with me. Gilgamesh could not be dissuaded. Enkidu accompanied him to the nearest temple, where they would both ask the gods to bless their quest. Mother, goddess Ninsun, your wisdom has always been my guiding light. I am venturing to the forest to seek out Humbaba the giant. I beseech you for your blessing. But the goddess Ninsun did not bless her son. Hearing of her son's plan, she became so distraught that she retreated to her bathhouse and did not leave for several days. After bathing seven times, Ninsun adorned herself in her finest dress and sought out Shamash, the sun god. Shamash, you have made my son restless, and now he ventures on a path he knows nothing of to a battle he could not possibly be prepared for. I urge you, take my son under your protection, guide his hand so that his aim is true, and cast all the curses you know against the giant Humbaba. The wind changed, and Ninsun knew Shamash had made her will his own. Gilgamesh would be protected. Ninsun returned to the mortal realm, where she summoned Enkidu to her. She laid a necklace around his neck and spoke. Enkidu, though you are not of my womb, I hereby take you as a part of Gilgamesh's brood. I am your mother. You are my son. And Gilgamesh is now your brother by blood. That night... Gilgamesh and Enkidu partook in a sacred ritual, one that involved an intimate physical connection, which cemented their bond as brothers. Finally, the day of departure was upon the two heroes. The village elders gathered round their king and reminded him that Humbaba would be stronger than any foe he had faced before. This is not a battle of mere strength, Gilgamesh. It is said that Humbaba breathes fire and can snuff out a life with a mere word. You must use all of your cunning and wisdom if you hope to remain victorious. I welcome the challenge. As do I. As Enkidu and Gilgamesh walked to the gates, the eyes of the city upon them, Enkidu entreated Gilgamesh one final time. We are brothers now, and I must always speak my mind to you. We should not do this. Surely there are other quests, other foes easier to kill, to bring us glory. What glory is there in seeking out a weaker enemy? Courage is only possible when you set yourself against that which scares you the most. Hmm. I suppose I am learned in the ways of the wilds. But I am still a novice on the subject of glory. Indeed. I have set my mind to this end, and with you by my side, I shall see it done. There was no more discussion on the subject. The people of Uruk prayed to the gods to bless the journey and watched as Enkidu and Gilgamesh exited the gates and set out on their journey. The pair did not stop to rest until they had walked 20 leagues. It was another 30 leagues before they pitched camp. After three days, 
Gilgamesh and Enkidu had traversed 150 leagues. It would take an ordinary man weeks to cross such a distance. Every few days, they would stop and dig a well, offering the water to Shamash, who had blessed their journey. With each well, they stopped for the night, though Gilgamesh was plagued by violent dreams. What is it, brother? In my dream, I, I saw chaos, thunder, lightning, fire raining from the skies. I, I felt a great mountain lift me up. Surely this is a dark omen. I am from the forest, and I am wise in such matters. This is a good omen. The mountain that lifts you is Shamash, our patron god who watches over us on this quest. I will try and trust your judgment, but these dreams are vivid. They continued in this fashion for many days. Every time they stopped to rest, Gilgamesh was struck by haunting dreams. When he awoke in a panic, Enkidu was there to comfort him. As they journeyed closer, their conversation turned to their own prowess in battle, the persistent dreams eating away at the king's own confidence. Do you really think we have a chance? It is too late to doubt yourself. You are Gilgamesh, king of the Uruks. The blood of gods flows in your veins. I am not one to doubt, but these treks have been so long, and when I am left to my own thoughts, I can't help but wonder if they were right back in the city. What if Humbaba is unkillable? When Humbaba presents himself to us, we will stand together and take on the battle as brothers. Come, take my hand. We are nearly there. And so, hand in hand, the two warriors entered the forest of Cedar. We'll cover their battle with Humbaba right after this. Now, back to the story. Our heroes buried their doubts as they took their first steps into the darkness of the forest of Cedar to face the giant Humbaba. I can barely see in front of me. How are we to locate Humbaba in this? See where the trees splinter apart. That is our path. Humbaba is so large, so menacing, he leaves wreckage wherever he goes. I hope it's not too much further, else we may be too tired to fight. What was that? That was our target. He must be massive. Nothing in my dreams could have prepared me for such a wretched beast. His size matters not. He will fall to our blades nonetheless. Come. I'm starting to sense that we should not have come to this place. Do you want to walk hundreds of leagues back to Uruk and tell the people that we left just before we laid eyes on dreaded Umbaba? Come. They continued in silence through that haunted forest. Gilgamesh wondered if he had sacrificed enough to Shamash. They did not know how long they ventured through those haunted woods, but finally... Who is that? Who would be so foolish as to enter my domain, the wooded pit from which none return? Step forward, Humbaba, dreaded giant. You face Gilgamesh, son of Ninsun, son of Lugalbanda, king of the Uruks. I am Enkidu, son of the forest, and my brother Gilgamesh stands here by my side. Enkidu, you are of the forest, and thus I know of you, for I see all that occurs in the woods. Long have I watched you from afar, 
At any time in your youth, I could have stepped forward and devoured you. Now you will betray my kindness? You say you are mighty. You will make for a mighty meal. None can stand before the combined might of Enkidu and Gilgamesh, brothers of Ninsun. Gilgamesh? Look upon him, Enkidu. Your mighty brother is trembling with fear, and with good reason. For I will save him for later, so that I may kill him slow. Do you hear me, Gilgamesh? I will break your limbs, slit your throat, devour your guts, and feed your flesh to the crows. With every heavy word from the mouth of Humbaba, the ground shook and the trees trembled. Gilgamesh could not help but feel his heart gripped by fear. Brother, why do you say nothing? We are here at the moment of victory. Have a jest before the killing starts. I cannot remove the dreams from my mind. Who are you to say that those omens were good? Then we will die as legends. We are in the lair of the beast, Gilgamesh. There is no turning back. The only way out is forward, through Humbaba. Enkidu and Gilgamesh charged at the great beast, and the battle commenced. The trees in the forest splintered. The mountain itself shook. From hundreds of leagues away, all manner of creature heard the roars of the fight between these three titans. Enkidu and Gilgamesh were strong, yes, but Humbaba was a giant in his natural element. When he vanished into the trees, a darkness fell on the fighters so thick that they could not even see the glint of the swords in front of them. Enkidu, where are you? I am blinded. Stand fast and keep your sword up. He knows he cannot beat us with mere strength, so he resorts to nasty tricks. But each time Humbaba emerged to take another swipe at his prey, he found himself cut and sliced by forged steel. The battle went on, into the night, hours passing with no respite. Gilgamesh and Enkidu were mighty indeed, but they tired, as all men tire. Humbaba, though, had the foul strength of a giant and did not let up. I think he might be slowing down. I am as powerful as I ever was, Enkidu. Your brother, though, seems like he could use a nap. He'll have one in my belly. For Gilgamesh, there was only one move left to make. Shamash! God of the sun, Shamash! You have blessed our journey and shown us the way. But now, I ask more of you than I ever have. I call upon you now to strike down my enemy. Your god cannot hear you, Gilgamesh. This is my realm, and I am the absolute power. But from the sky came the aid of all-powerful Shamash. Thirteen storms descended from the heavens onto Humbaba. Hurricanes, typhoons, and tornadoes all tore through the forest lair. And when the dust settled, Enkidu and Gilgamesh saw that the giant was bound in place. The heroes caught their breath as they advanced on their helpless foe. (sighs) See? That was easy. Speak for yourself. I was wrong to doubt your might, Gilgamesh. You are surely the son of Ninsun, a man touched by the strength of the gods. You're not so threatening now that you're at my mercy. You have struck me helpless, 
and I have no choice other than to beg. Let's hear it then. I'll not have it said that Gilgamesh, king of Uruk, did not offer his foe some final words. You have proven yourself to be the favorite of the gods. Spare my life, I beg you. I will serve you in all ways you command. I will even relinquish my forest here and anoint you as its king. I need to think. Do not listen, Gilgamesh. His tongue is as black as his heart. He will betray you the first chance he gets. I should have squashed you to death when you were born, Enkidu. Curse you! You need to keep that temper in check. Else I may not wait for Gilgamesh to decide. Please, Enkidu. I beg you as well. You may have adopted Gilgamesh as your brother, but you and I are both of the forest. We share more of a kinship than you and Gilgamesh ever will. Please, in the name of the forest that fostered us both, I beg for my life. Your life is worth far less than your head. Ah. Curse you! Curse you both! May you never grow old, the both of you! May Gilgamesh bury Enkidu, and be damned to live without his sworn brother. He is placing a curse on us. Strike him down, now! Gilgamesh brandished his knife and plunged it into Humbaba's neck. Enkidu watched on as Gilgamesh worked the dagger, cutting through the thick flesh, until finally, Humbaba's head came free from the body. The mountain rumbled at his passing, and his blood seeped into the dirt, spreading out into all directions, until there was not a spot of ground in the whole forest that had not been stained red. A finer trophy has never existed. What was that? It must be Humbaba's seven ogre sons crying out in mourning for their father. But they are merely saplings, and we have just toppled the great tree. Gilgamesh and Enkidu moved through the forest, cutting down Humbaba's ogre sons until there were no more cries in the forest. An eerie silence fell on the land. It is done. Humbaba is no more, and his lineage has been eradicated. There is none left who would stand against us. I'm so tired. How are we supposed to walk home after all of that? We shall not be walking home. Gilgamesh and Enkidu brandished their axes and cut down many trees from the forest. They lashed together a raft and set out for the river Euphrates, which would take them home. Gilgamesh spoke little as they sailed along the waters back to Uruk. His mind kept going to Humbaba's head, stored in a leather bag with the rest of their supplies, and the curse that Humbaba had uttered with his dying breath. Enkidu. Humbaba was a powerful foe, even to his last words. Do you think his curse might actually- Worry not, brother. I believe we struck him down before his curse could take hold. I have no intention of dying before you. Ha. <laughs> I pray you are correct. We shall die on the battlefield together. Gilgamesh's mind was put at ease, and the sky above grew dark as the brothers sailed home in exhausted victory. Sumerian mythology is a complex collection of stories, but not much is actually known about many of the gods and monsters that populated those tales. Our modern-day knowledge of Humbaba is particularly limited, 
Only two separate sources provide any description of Humbaba. One is Gilgamesh's tale, in which he's depicted as a monstrous beast and a thorn in the side of humanity. However, another tablet from a partially told story describes Humbaba as a great protector of the forest, a benevolent king to the trees and animals. Birds sing at Humbaba's arrival, and monkeys celebrate in his path. The trees are well tended, and the forest thrives under Humbaba's watch. In this telling, Gilgamesh is depicted as a raiding warlord come to ransack the forest for personal gain. These disparate accounts can largely be explained by a difference in perspective. Ancient Sumer was a region without trees, so for the Sumerian people, a kingly raid on the forest would be a great victory that provided endless riches for the kingdom. Gilgamesh's quest to bring home cedar logs from across great distances would be a feat worthy of legend. Yet the Sumerians were also cogent of the perspective of nature itself, as represented by reactions of the animals and the gods. Perhaps it's this perspective that takes shape in the rest of Gilgamesh's tale. Next week, we'll witness the fallout of Humbaba's death. While the people of Uruk were pleased to see Humbaba's head, some of the gods grew angry at Gilgamesh for his impertinence. Enkidu would suffer for his actions with the king, and the tragic events that followed set Gilgamesh on an epic quest for immortality. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology, as well as all of ParCast's other podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Mythology is written by Colin McLaughlin. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Kimberly Holland, Harris Markson, Alastair Murden, and Sammy Nye. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>